Hey guys, and welcome to the next episode of the Shane Walsh Fitness Podcast. So thank you guys for all of your messages over the Christmas break. And thank you very much for continuously to listen over the Christmas break as well. It, it means a lot. Um, and this week is a very special guest. It was actually recommended to me to get him on by one of my colleagues who has messaged uh, Dr. Mike a few times. And so who any anyone who doesn't know who uh, Dr. Mike is, his real name is Dr. Michael Banner. He is an NHS GP. He's also director of British Society of Lifestyle Medicine, and he is the co-host of the Fitness Unfiltered podcast. Um, and Mike is one of the, probably the most genuine people to follow up on Instagram. He has been, we were talking off air about kind of IFS, um, and I, Mike was actually at my graduation without even realizing it. Um, so Mike, thank you so much for coming on today onto the podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Uh, so, Mike, for anyone that isn't aware of your story, um, can you tell us a little bit more about your, yourself and kind of how you got into the kind of the, the health and fitness kind of realm and kind of the podcast realm, all that kind of stuff? Sure. So, like, even saying those words out loud seem completely ridiculous to my young self um, from years ago because I grew up with absolutely no interest in physical activity or nutrition or anything like that. Um, very inactive. Um, I just liked eating junk food, going out for dinners, um, the usual sort of socializing stuff. Um, and as I grew up and, uh, got increasingly what I would say is unhealthy and overweight for me, um, I started to realize I probably needed to do something about this. So I started looking more and more into it to cut a very long story short, had a fairly dramatic lifestyle transformation, um, and got much more into the ideas of nutrition and physical activity and learn more about them and in doing so realized that um that I was entirely clueless um about those things until I'd specifically looked into them and it struck me as slightly odd that someone can be a GP and can spend all day every day trying to get people to be healthier without actually very much insight into what can make people healthier from their own lifestyle point of view so that's how I ended up um getting involved with the British Society of Lifestyle Medicine, starting doing more stuff on social media, education and learning and all of that kind of stuff. So that's it, really. And was there one epiphany moment that you had that you needed to kind of start to kind of move around a little bit more and kind of potentially watch your food and stuff? Um, I think there were quite a few. And actually, this is an interesting thing. I was in a discussion with some people at a talk the other day, and they were saying that every time you tell a story about something that you remember, your memory gets reprogrammed about this story. And I was thinking about this the other day, like each time I've told this story, it probably becomes more and more like a pretend story than an actual real story. But um, I mean, there were a few bits. There was stuff like, like having to buy new work trousers. And every time I was buying new work trousers, they just had to keep getting bigger. And I just kept telling myself that the sizes are changing because it's like fashionable now that the trousers, the waistband sits lower. So that's why I need a wider waistband, not because I'm getting bigger. You know, a friend of mine had a heart attack. He was only 35. It was, you know, all of these things that sort of started happening, started happening that made me realize that I was coming to an age where I couldn't just rely on just being young um, to be healthy. I was going to start having problems with my blood pressure. I was going to start developing other um, health problems. I kind of felt, you know, I, was, I felt I was becoming 
less and less fit every time I had to run for a train I would really struggle afterwards you know you'd get on the train and sit down and you just would be like coughing and spluttering for ages because it was such an ordeal to have to to run up some stairs and that's not how I wanted things to be and it wasn't how it was meant to be so it just I guess it was a bit of a perfect storm but I suppose that as well as all of those little things happening because there were there are always those things and people who are um who are less healthy than they can be people who are overweight they all know it they all know that that you know what the situation is and and probably a lot of them want to make a change but it's not just having those things that make you want to change it's also having the means to change and having the encouragement from other people and um trying to get the knowledge and i i actually had um someone who i knew on twitter offered to help me and was really encouraging with everything and 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 helped me kind of figure out how to do it um and I, I think that was probably the biggest thing is actually just being told that this was something that isn't actually that difficult I can do it and I wasn't just destined to be this way for the rest of my life I mean that's a very nice way of kind of putting it that you weren't destined to be that way for the rest of your life that you could potentially do something about it if you want to yeah and a lot of people potentially aren't ready for that kind of change yeah absolutely and, it, and this time that the podcast has been recorded in december but it's going out in january and a lot of people or some people may adopt an all or nothing approach in kind of january for kind of they may have overindulged at christmas and, and like so be it uh but there's no point in kind of dwelling on what's been done you can always kind of make a change and kind of and is there anything that you've kind of learned about yourself since you started your own fitness journey regarding your own kind of mental strength or anything you've learned on the nutrition side or anything like that i mean yeah i mean i've learned unlimited amounts of things about all of those things but the fact is that they're they're pretty changeable as time goes on and just because you know it only has to work one time you only have to stick to it one time and then it, you carry on like it's not kind of these finite events where i think a lot of people the more times they quote unquote fail at changing their lifestyle, the more the, the the less likely they believe that they are to succeed. But I tried hundreds of times. I went on hundreds of different diets. I tried all sorts of different things. And for me to kind of, for it to suddenly work, literally no idea why. Why did it work that time? I do not know. It just was that everything came together at the same time. It was the right people. It was the right information. It was the right approach. And it was a different approach. Like I used a very, very slow and steady approach. I used a very different approach to how I'd tried dieting previously. Um, and, you know, I tried other things since then as well that also didn't work. And then went back to stuff that worked. And I still have times where, you know, I've had quite a few period since then where you know I've put on weight and then I've said right I'm gonna I'm gonna now go on go back on a plan and do it and it's not worked and within two weeks I've been like oh yeah but cake you know it like sometimes you won't be adherent and sometimes you will and it rather than beating yourself up and feeling guilty about it and saying thinking oh it's such a shame it's the knowledge that it's totally possible to do and each time you do it is totally unique um and actually it's not like because you didn't because it didn't work that time or because you you ate a biscuit that now you're this huge failure and you might as well give up that's kind of the most negative spiral of thinking i think i think that's what often stops people from pressing forward 
And I think a lot of people also associate with the diet to say that they like that they that they are their diet. I had a phone call with one of my online clients a few days ago, and she was losing a good bit of weight, and she was kind of out with the girls who hadn't seen her in a while. And they, the first question they asked her was, uh, "What diet are you on? Like, get tell me the secret." And she, all she's kind of responded back was, "Like, this is a lady who had." has been a yo-yo diet for most of her life um and she's given me permission to kind of talk about this and she's kind of she all she answered back was oh i'm not on a diet i'm just kind of changing my lifestyle a little bit kind of moving a little bit more eating a little bit less i'm still having my halo top ice cream mm -hmm. uh, when i want it and then i'm just pressing the reset button i'm not punishing myself with anything but so many people who i've had chats with over social media um, and a lot of my clients I've come from that yo-yo dieting background. I've kind of gone from that associating themselves with a particular diet, either whether it be keto. And you kind of see that movement kind of coming through a little bit. And it's kind of, you see the likes of some of the influencers and stuff like that kind of slating certain diets. Mm -hmm. But if that diet works for someone, then that's their, their point of call. As yeah. long as that person doesn't try to push something onto you, yeah. whether it be for example, veganism or keto, whatever it may be. If that works for someone, it has its place in the in the industry, has its place in whatever works. And if it works for you and it makes you feel great and you're able to stick to it, happy days. Go mm. with it. But don't just say that I'm Mr. Keto or I'm Mrs. Keto and everyone else has to be keto. Yeah, don't change your um, social media name to Keto Bob because then when you don't want to be keto anymore then that's what becomes difficult but but this is the thing is that we we like to we like to identify with these things and I did exactly that with paleo for a good while um I was convinced that paleo was you know the 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 secret diet method that was going to save the planet and uh, unfortunately it it wasn't I mean as an overall experience I probably wouldn't want to repeat it but at the time I thought it was amazing and I told people about it because I I was so excited that something was working so well for me or so I thought that I wanted to share that with people that I cared about. And I think that's what we forget is that often people do this because they want to help other people and they want other people to benefit in ways that they've benefited. And in by the same token, when I've realized that paleo doesn't work, I've probably taken the mick out of paleo a little bit to people, but actually that's not helpful to them. I think what we just always have to remember is that we're all different and what works for one person doesn't work for other people. And I think what gets lost in translation is that people think that that means that your physiology means that you should be keto, like you're like keto will work for you because of your, because you're wired differently or you know, because your physiology works differently or metabolism is different or whatever. And the reason that, diff you know, we know because social media has been hammering this to us that different diets work because they create a calorie deficit and they happen to work better for different people because of they because of how they fit in with their lifestyles or how they fit in with their psychology around food and all of those sorts of things and how they like to socialize and stuff like that. But we still have to remember that those things are different for everybody and we should live and let live. Um, and it's, it is, I, I actually had a, a relatively interesting experience with a friend of mine who sent out a group message inviting me to a Herbalife party. Um, and as you can imagine, my, like my heart sank when I got this, this message saying, would you like to come to my party to look at these amazing products that have changed my life, blah, blah, blah. 
so I was like, oh, this is going to be interesting. And it's it, it was somebody who I have a huge amount of respect for and, and continue to have a huge amount of respect for. And I I messaged her privately and I said, look, um, you as you know, like I've been learning a lot about nutrition and all this kind of stuff. Um, my view of Herbalife is probably very different to, to yours, <laughs> judging by your message. Um, if you don't want to hear about it, I'm more than happy to keep my mouth shut. But if you're interested in what I have to say, let's have a chat about it. And she was like, yeah, cool. Like, I definitely want to hear, you know, what you're saying. And I told her all about, you know, what what my experiences were with it, the reasons that I felt, you know, it, it wasn't my cup of tea, etc. Um, and I'm trying to be diplomatic here. <laughs> and... Um, and she told me about all of the reasons why it had changed her life and how she had found it amazing. And she was telling me about how she's like, I know that the, that the shakes themselves are nothing special, but it's more like the framework and the community that's kind of, she, she was somebody who did a lot of um, traveling as part of her job. And she said that before she started on the Herbalife program, she would go to work with a bag of Haribo in her car. And that's what she would snack on all day until she got home because she didn't have time for lunch. She didn't have anywhere to put lunch. She didn't really bother about any kind of stuff. So she would just snack on Haribo all day and then get home. But because she'd started the Herbalife program, she'd have a shake before she went out. Then she'd have like a, a yogurt and nut snack that she'd keep in the car that she'd have in a break time. And then she'd have this and then she'd have this. And because of just being part of that program, she was doing, she was taking more of an interest in her health. She was eating more nutritious food. She was eating more regularly. She felt more energetic. She felt better. And she was like, I know it's not the shakes or the powders that are specifically are doing that, but they are providing me with this framework and this community in which to do it. And what was really interesting to me at the time was that the, the, the words that she used to describe Herbalife were exactly the types of words that I was using to describe the gym that I joined at the time. And it really challenged me kind of in terms of my own thoughts and my own views to think, well, you know, everybody often just needs that thing to kind of hook them into to changing their lifestyle. And actually, if that's Herbalife for some people, then who am I to say that that they shouldn't do that, but that they should do what I'm doing, which they might think is exactly the same thing. Like I'm paying a, a high gym fee membership to a place that's a more exclusive gym that has more of a community setting that has this that has seminars that has these sorts of things and someone could say to me well you you you're wasting your money you don't need to pay your money for all of those things all you need to do is exercise and eat better you could yeah. just join a, a normal gym and it's the same kind of concept really like and actually when when we think about these things and actually challenge ourselves and our biases on that kind of stuff the world is a lot less clear cut than we think it is and although we might disagree with the business practices of certain companies that doesn't mean the people that are buying the products of those companies are stupid or should be you know should be belittled or attacked um i think what i struggle with in that sort of situation is is people who are you know, people who are knowingly selling people things that they don't use or they don't think is effective, you know, that's kind of a different story. And, and that's a, another rabbit hole that I won't dive into at the moment. But 
It's just kind of, there are so many aspects to people's lives and their psychologies and how they eat and their relationships with food and all of those sorts of things that I think if we pulled back a little bit on telling everybody how they should be doing everything and just focused on what works for us as individuals, um, then maybe we would argue less. I 100% agree. And I would like the Herbalife is your example. Like I would say 99% of my clients have come from Slimming World. Mm -hmm. I have spoken with Jason Munro, Munro Fitness, on a podcast about this already, about Slimming World, how I have a love-hate relationship with it. Yeah. I love it, the fact that it keeps me in business. And I like the community aspect that it has. And I just don't believe in the general consensus of it. But as you said, if it works for someone, it's up to them. And I've met people on the gym floor. I've met people out face to face and stuff like that in everyday life that are continue are continuing to do it. And I've kind of spoken to one lady particularly who, who's never worked with me as a client in a kind of good bit, bit of detail because I think in order for you to be able to have an opinion, you need to potentially argue, be able to argue both sides of the spectrum. Hmm. So I need to be able to order, understand it from a PT or coach side of point of view in order for the psychology side of thing. But I need to understand why are they resonating with certain X, Y, and Z. And Mary down the road may resonate with X, Y, and Z. I need to understand it for myself. I need to understand why are they kind of attaching to a certain thing. And that lady that I'm speaking about was attaching to the whole community aspect, being mm -hmm. able to have a chat with her friends, being able to keep herself accountable by weighing in every week at a certain time mm -hmm. um and that was her way of that was her kind of yeah that was her accountability that was her relief of kind of knowing that that was coming every week and i'm not i'm not i'm i'm in no position to knock that if that's mm -hmm. working for that lady and she can feel better and she can lose weight or feel it get into a dress that she needs to get into for her a holiday or a wedding whatever she's got coming up all credit to her and yeah. I, I'm delighted you brought up that um, that aspect of things. And for yourself, did you work with a coach or did you do the classes or how did you kind of keep yourself accountable? Well, I've done all sorts over the years because it's been a long time. Um, but I mean, to start with, I was getting all of my accountability from social media. I was tweeting about my about my diet. I was tweeting about going to the gym. I was tweeting when I didn't want to go to the gym and people would, would bombard me with messages telling me that I should go to the gym. And then I would go to the gym. Like it was, you know, accountability is such an abstract concept. Like the idea that these people who are essentially just digits on a mobile phone, people who I've never met are encouraging me to go to the gym. It was, it was magical and it worked. Um, I also then, I started, it was, it was about three years into into my changes that I started having personal training. I'd been to some boot camps and stuff up to then, but then I started um, with a kind of strength and conditioning coach and kind of learned how to gym. Um, and then I joined Jamie Alderton's gym and that was kind of when things went kind of next level, I would say. About that sort of time was when I started getting into, or a little bit before then, was when I started getting into flexible dieting. So I was I started working with a nutrition coach. So I actually had my personal trainer and a separate nutrition coach. And then when I went over to Grenade, carried on with my nutrition coach and started training with with, um, with Ollie Carson at Grenade. Um, and 
yeah it was it was that was a big educational learning curve and in terms of the community it was sort of it was almost like my social media had come into real life so instead of having all of these people like online who were encouraging me to go to the gym I had real ones you know who we would go we were trained together and we'd go for coffee afterwards and there was this incredible community we'd go to classes and 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 um different coaching sessions private semi-private all sorts um seminars Nando's you know like it was it was incredible um and yeah that was that was interesting and then more recently since the since the gym shut down that's been a lot harder to to continue in terms of that real life accountability so we're we're back online now online getting messages and is there any advice that you would give to someone having gone kind of gone through the whole weight loss journey and fitness journey yourself is there any advice that you would give to someone starting out in their journey in January um yeah I mean from my perspective and again this is one of those things where everybody's different I would say figure out what pushes your buttons and start pushing them um which is a really difficult thing to figure out I think a lot of the time but for me it was making tiny changes and noticing results. My biggest motivator was progress. So doing tiny things that built up over time was absolutely huge. So an example would be starting to go to the gym was one thing. When I started going to the gym, it had to be at times that were particularly convenient for me. Then when I started doing classes, I couldn't understand how anyone could go to gym, go to the gym in the morning and then go to work all day. Like I didn't understand how that was even a thing. But the only times that the gym had these classes was at 6.30 and 5.30. So I started going to this 6.30 class and was like, oh, actually I'm all right. I can function for the rest of the day. This is quite good. And then now in the evening, this is amazing. I don't have to go to the gym after work when I'm exhausted and I'm hungry and I'm gonna train terribly. I don't have to go to the gym. This is This is incredible. So I started to really enjoy doing that. And then it got to the point where I was like, you know what, time is time is tight. I'm struggling to finish this gym session and then shower and change and then get to work on time. Like I was rushing around. I wonder if I should try the 5.30 class and then ended up regularly going to the 5.30 class. Now, if you told me before I started going to the gym, go join this gym and start going to a 5.30 a.m. gym class, that will be what, what is best for you. I'd have just laughed. There's no way that you transition from somebody who doesn't go to the gym at all, whose alarm goes off at like 7.15 a.m. to someone whose alarm goes off at 4.45. That, that's not, a, that's not a, a, a sudden thing that you do. So it's like doing those little steps along the way. You know, none of those little transitions were difficult in any way. But suddenly, over the course of a year or two years, I'd gone from somebody who didn't wake up at all to go to the gym before work somebody wakes up at 4.45 and doesn't even think twice about it. 100%. I think a lot of people I know, so say if I was having a consultation with someone when I was a face-to-face trainer, I would have, so I'd say I only had a half 5 a.m. slot mm-hmm. available for someone and they were looking for like a half 7 p.m. I was like, well, the only slot I have is half 5 um, and then you'd see this the, the look on their face. Yeah, I'd be like, I can't do that. I'm like, well, how about you try um, even for like one or two and see yeah. how you get And then it'll be, it could potentially become a routine. Mm-hmm. And I would say 
I'd say nearly 100% of those people that have even tried with the kind of the tester of the two sessions at the half five, I have one of those girls for the last 18 months. Yeah, it's interesting. It's really interesting how easy it is to change your habits if you have a reason to. Yeah, and yeah, you need to find like you need to find your reason why. I think that's the biggest thing that I would say. Um, like, like you were talking about earlier, that if you hadn't potentially made a change, that you potentially would have had future ailments with kind mm-hmm. of cholesterol, that kind of stuff. For anyone that isn't aware of my story, I my fitness journey only properly. I used to play football as a kid for years and probably stopped at like twenty four, twenty five. And then kind of lost a little bit of run of myself, was in a job I didn't like, had a real job, as I call it. Um, and then two and a half years ago, woke up with two blood clots in my left arm. No idea what happened. Still have no idea. So my left arm, they couldn't find the, they couldn't find the one up in my neck until, unless my arm was out straight. And there was one in my kind of just the, the joint there. Um, and then two weeks later, went back into my desk and collapsed with flu in my lungs. That oh was me out of recruitment. That was me. My epiphany, like something has to change. Mm. It's the scariest thing in the world. And I wish that on no one about that, that has to happen for you to have that kind of epiphany. Mm-hmm. But you like that was my way. That uh, was my wake up call. And yeah. hopefully that doesn't happen to anyone else. But there has to be some kind of click along the way for you to be saying, I need to make a change. And I've spoken to people. I gave a talk in a few months ago and it was a photo or it was a comment from a friend yeah i was kind of like okay crap i actually need to make some sort of change it could be running around with your kids it could be a holiday it could be a wedding or something like that so just kind of like my tip for someone starting off the journey in january is don't go out with the gung-ho mentality of i need to lose x amount of weight in x amount of time try and find something that will work for you it could be walking it could get could be working with a coach mm. it could be f45 it could be whatever you want just go go slow go at your own pace and i guarantee if you put if you start on the first of january in 2020 and continue going maybe three times a week or whatever it is on the first of january 2021 you will be so much further along the line and so much happier with yourself exactly um you put up a post um that a lot of people resonated with um recently about some people need to know they can eat a donut and still be healthy and they can eat a donut and still be happy it's a very beautifully worded statement can you kind of expand what you've meant about it and can you kind of uh, yeah just expand about it a little bit more so yeah i i kind of seem to straddle this line on uh social media between i follow a lot of people who are classic fitness industry people, personal trainers, um, competitive people, uh, nutrition coaches, nutritionists, all sorts. But then I also follow a lot of people who are very into kind of wellness and health and well-being um, and the psychological aspects of it. And also the fact that maybe dieting isn't for everybody. And, you know, certainly there's there's this movement towards this kind of anti-diet culture message as well that a lot of people are they're kind of putting out on their social medias and um I always like to try and be balanced in my approach to stuff because I've been on every on every end of the spectrum here and it's fascinating to me that you know we often get these messages on on Instagram now 
that aren't like, okay, this is how to lose weight. It's more like, do you know what? It's okay if you want to eat a donut. That's absolutely fine. Um, And I often kind of think back to, you know, when I was at different stages of my life and how how I would perceive messages that I see on Instagram differently at different stages of my journey. And the fact is that everybody is different and people need to hear different things. And what we really struggle with on social media is that we, we get so fixed on what we believe is right for ourselves that we forget that that isn't always right for everybody. And I get accused of sitting on the fence a lot. And that's because why? Because I sit on the fence. Because that is actually where I am able to see everything the most clearly. Um, And I think that it is really tough because you read these posts that are like, yeah, do you know what? Have a donut. And I think, well, yeah, actually, like there are a lot of people on Instagram who are obsessed with their weight and are obsessed with losing weight when they do not need to lose weight and they have nothing to lose weight for apart from obtaining unrealistic body image ideals and trying to copy people who they've seen on Instagram Um, and that's not a healthy place to be but then also there's lots of people um, who are suffering with health problems and who would benefit greatly from being in a slight calorie deficit. And actually they don't need people to tell them it's okay to eat a donut because actually they might be trying really hard not to eat a donut because that's something that's not right for them at the moment. Um, and, And I actually had a message from someone on Instagram about how they were really struggling because they felt guilty that they wanted to lose weight. They said that they had been they'd been on a cut and they'd been on diets and stuff and they'd got quite lean and then they wanted more balance so they were starting to do more of a relaxed approach but then they'd got to the point where they were just a little bit uncomfortable their clothes were a bit too tight they felt you know worse in their performance in at the gym and exercising and stuff and a bit more unfit and they wanted to lose weight but they felt like they'd failed because they now wanted to go on a diet again and they'd failed in balance And I was like, well, you know, this is not what we're supposed to be trying to make people feel good about themselves. We don't want people to be feeling sad or feeling negative about themselves because they want to make changes to their lives. And if as long as those changes are positive and they're not, you know, they're not obsessive. And who is who are any of us to say whether those things are obsessive? And I think that there is it's difficult it is really difficult to strike that balance because when I look at different like again different stages of my own journey there were times in my lifestyle change that I was so focused on changing my lifestyle that I did sacrifice other aspects of my well-being and of my livelihood but I I would also argue that there are some situations where it is worth making temporary sacrifices to certain things in order to achieve goals that you are particularly keen on achieving. And what I find fascinating is that, you know, we're very impressed with people when they run marathons, but running a marathon is not a healthy thing to do, but it's like, it's it's normal to run a marathon. So we kind of, we, we're like, wow, you ran a marathon. That's amazing. So, you know, sometimes it's okay, oh, but sometimes it's not okay. So I don't, I don't ever want to be, I don't want to be encouraging people to be obsessive, but I don't want to be, I don't, I don't want to discourage people from trying to reach goals that they have for themselves either. 
and the only people that can figure out where the line lies for people are themselves and probably their loved ones. And even then, we're not that great at it. When, you know, our loved ones aren't always great at not telling us we look awful because we've lost too much weight or we look awful because we've put on too much weight. And we are not very good at, at having insight into where we are at. So if I can't figure out if I'm being too obsessive and my loved ones can't figure out if I'm being too obsessive, then who the hell is Instagram to try and figure it out for me? You know, what are they going to do? And I think that's that's what I really struggle with is that if you're always telling everybody that they're doing things wrong and they should be doing it a different way, then you're going to get it right 50% of the time and wrong 50% of the time and same vice versa. So I kind of feel like maybe we just tell people what to do a little bit too much on social media. Don't know. I would probably agree with you there. Um, I think there is a culture out there with social media, um, not by everyone, but by some people in that it's their way or no way. Mm. And it's the only way to kind of go for everyone. But as we've spoken about earlier on in the episode, um, that you have to find what works for you. And if you want to look a certain way there may be certain things that you may need to cut back on but you also may find that if you look that certain way you're actually not happy that way and i've 100% been there in the fact that i thought thought i'd I'd be happy if i had abs i did a fitness photo shoot i've never been so unhappy and carb hungry in my life and i thought that's what i was happy but i'm a little bit heavier now probably not as lean as that, or definitely not as lean as that, but I'm a hell of a lot happier in my training. Mm-hmm. I'm focusing on getting the strength and kind of building up the endurance, getting the fitness up, and that's what I'm focused on. Mm-hmm. And taking progress photos and seeing how you look that way. Mm-hmm. And sometimes family and friends can be a little bit too honest, can be a little bit too forthright with their comments, but they're ultimately the ones that are going to push pull you back in the straight and narrow if they're in your kind of little inner circle and i think a lot of people have a little inner circle that could be their mum, that could be two or three other mates but they'll be the ones that will kind of like if you potentially are going a little bit too extreme or they'll be the ones to potentially have a little quiet word mm-hmm. with you and yeah. that's, that's ultimately what you need exactly uh, and a lot of people do go for extremes and if you've got a decent coach as well they should also be kind of, they should be in tune with that. But I think, I think it's hard because I think most people are like, it's such a nuanced thing. It's, you know, so different for everybody that they think people are still, people are still learning about it. I and mean, we were all still learning because everyone's on their own journey as well. Um, and again, it's, it's really hard not to just apply your own logic to everybody else. And we also need to, like, social media is absolutely amazing. I get to chat to the likes of yourself and everyone else who I've had on the podcast, but we need to stop putting people up on pedestals mm-hmm. in that these people have been training for X, Y, and Z years, and that's why they look the way they do. They've, yeah. they've worked their asses off. Stop saying to yourself, I need to look that way to be happy. I need, like, you haven't seen the blood, sweat, and tears that mm-hmm. that person has been through to get to that way. Yeah. And they may have had other health issues, other mental health issues in regarding how they look. You don't see what's lying beneath. Yes, so exactly. You need, you need to look at 
your own story, your own where you want to go and find the kind of the, the balance that you'll be able to kind of go down. Yeah. Um, you're, you work in kind of, you work in the health profession. Uh, you were, you're a GP and health is a word that's thrown around there an awful lot. And what is optimal health? I remember that was on one of my MNU lectures and optimal health to everyone. And then there's the BMI scale, which is the big one that's coming out at the minute. Like if you get someone, I had someone on the, on a, on a DM mess me about their BMI, that they were X BMI or whatever. And I was like, okay, so the rock is a certain, the rock Dwayne Johnson is a certain BMI. According to the BMI scale, that man is morbidly obese. If you look at the rock, he is not morbidly obese. He is massive but he's massive in a, a strong looking way so can you kind of talk about kind of like what is optimal health the whole thing about the bmi scale and kind of all that kind of stuff well so like, i think the bmi scale was kind of a, a invented as sort of a statistical survey of people's size it wasn't i don't think originally intended to be a comment on people's health but i think it's very difficult because it is there are a lot of ways that 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 BMI is inaccurate. Um, I, I think, that, you know, if if you are off the scale on BMI, then probably chances are that there may be some health issues associated with that. But the the middle bit, I think, is a lot more um, a lot more unclear. And I think the fact is, what is very difficult is that you know you can be overweight. And you can be much healthier than somebody who is of a normal weight. Um, and there are certain things that you can see about health and certain things that you can't see about health. And they're not always, they don't always correlate exactly, obviously, with actual health. And how do you define someone's health? I mean, that is that is a huge question. How do we answer that? I don't know. Um, but the fact is, you can have, I mean, one of the things that we get accused of, um, or there's been a lot of discussion about certainly in, um, in in the health profession is weight stigma and the idea that when somebody who is overweight um, or in a, we should say in a larger body really walks into the room, then there are already prejudices and preconceptions from that health professional that this person has health problems. So you're already potentially thinking about um, their diet, that you're thinking about their blood pressure, you're thinking about their cholesterol. Whereas when somebody walks in who's of a normal weight, you're making an assumption that they are healthy. Um, so you're not thinking about all of those things. So in some ways, you're prejudiced against the people in larger bodies because you might be missing physical health problems because you're too busy focusing on all of these other things that, that aren't actually related to what might be wrong with them that day. And um, you're already, you're also potentially not treating the people who are of a normal weight as well as you could be either because you could be missing the fact that they might have a really high cholesterol or they might have really high blood pressure or they might be a smoker or they might be drinking loads of alcohol or taking loads of recreational drugs or something like that. So it, it, I'm explaining this not particularly well because it's certainly not my my field of expertise and there are a lot of people who you could have on this podcast who would who would explain that a lot better than I have and probably use better language than I have as well. So I apologize if that was, if I have done that wrong, um, anyone who is listening. Um, and yeah, so I mean, 
health is such an abstract concept and also you've got to take into account physical health and psychological health as well and all of the things that we do can impact on both of those things and actually for some people um, things like dieting and doing transformation programs and all that kind of stuff might be great for their physical appearance it might not be great for their physical health it certainly might not be great for their psychological health but for some people it might be absolutely fantastic so again it's quite an individual approach and trying to balance your physical health with your psychological health is is a very important thing to do um, and not always that easy that's a very rambly answer to your quite a simple question isn't it no it's still an answer it's still I t- t- definitely took a few points away from it. it's still an answer um i like it, it kind of like you alluded to kind of health and you alluded to someone that may be in a larger body which is a very pc way um but then there's the whole movement of health at every size which is the thing that's kind of was out kind of a couple of months ago i would say yeah i've been i've been schooled fairly heavily on this because i i've i've got this wrong on our own podcast actually when we've talked about health every size and and health every size interestingly is really talking about what i've just mentioned which is the idea of of weight stigma so it's not i thought i i falsely misunderstood falsely misunderstood just misunderstood that um that health at every size meant well you can be healthy at every size um, that's actually not what it means. And again, I would encourage you to get somebody who is an expert on that to, to talk about it rather than myself. But what I now understand health at every size to mean is the idea that you should have the opportunity to optimize your health, whatever size you are. So, so your health seeking behaviors should still be possible. So you should be able to go to a doctor and not just be told that, you know, your um your stomach pains because you're overweight you know like it's it's kind of the access to health more than anything else i'm really probably not doing this very well at all i apologize listeners but we can we can get someone better to talk about that bit um no it's 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 an answer and it's 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 a decent answer i understand what the the side of things that you're coming from um so it's it's an it's 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 also it is it's probably about three podcast episodes on its on like on their own to yeah. kind of more detail. And I think what's re- what's really difficult with this, and what's re- difficult with anything that involves a certain level of activism, is that it's very easy to under to, sorry to misunderstand what it's actually about and what it's based in, because a lot of people who are activists in that sort of thing can often demonstrate quite an extreme view about it and then it's then people get kind of a misconception about what it's actually about what it actually means and what the fundamental points are behind it so it's quite difficult I think sometimes when people feel really passionately about something to actually get a balanced definition and a balanced approach to it but um yeah no I um and one of the things you've done recently is with a previous guest which is Jay Alderton and his amazing kind of box jumping challenge uh, for anyone that doesn't know Jay, Jay box jumped the equivalent, equivalent of Mount Everest in his target was 24 hours but he managed it in under about 22 22 18 yeah, I think it was and raised over 22,000 pounds and counting um and i would definitely go back and listen to jay's episode his mind is, is 
strength of his mind is like it's incredible and the quotes that man can reel off is is incredible <laughs> um is there anything that you took away from that event and that incredible achievement from watching jamie doing the box jumping oh, apart from being completely bonkers yeah i you know joking aside because we never like to kind of big up our friends, do we? Because it's just <laughs> no. a bit embarrassing. I'd much rather just take the mick out of him and correct his spelling or something like that. But, you know, the, the stuff that he does is is genuinely jaw-dropping. And he comes up with the, these ideas and everyone around him is like, just, why? No, just don't. Please don't do that. That's ridiculous. You're going to destroy yourself. It's not possible. Then you know we've done it every time, and and he he always absolutely smashes it. And it was, I mean, what I think is really difficult to get across is just how genuinely difficult these challenges are, and like they they are to the point where, you know, I, like I I was on I was there for the whole thing, both as a kind of as medical cover, but also just as you know a support and helping to count the jumps and and you know all of the all of like being a witness and all of that kind of stuff for um, the world record and things. Um, And it was, it was terrifying. Like it was genuinely frightening at times because there were times when it was going so badly that you couldn't imagine. And it wasn't going so badly. It was going amazingly. But what I mean is it was so hard to watch because it was genuinely so grueling. Like you're watching somebody genuinely suffering that you do not know how it is possible for them to continue going through this same process that they're going through now for the next like 15 or 16 hours when they're already like when it's this hard at this point and it's only going to get worse how is this going to be possible and it was the same with the backwards run probably less so with his sled push because like I think I just didn't I didn't really know him that well at that point so I kind of I don't know how it, it that looked a lot easier although I understand from him that actually he was struggling a lot with it kind of in you know in himself but I you you can't see how it's possible for somebody to continue I mean when you hear about it you can't imagine that it's possible for someone to do it but then when you're actually watching it happen you can't imagine that this can carry on and it just does and I don't I don't know where it comes from or how he like how he just pulls it out of the bag, but it just, it's, it's unbelievable. It is, it's genuinely inspiring. And I didn't stop whinging the whole time either. Like I even was like, I annoy myself because I, cause it's it, like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's exhausting. It's tiring to sit there for 24 hours awake and watch this stuff. So I'm getting really whingy and I'm sort of th- sitting there having words with myself going, you can't keep whinging about being awake when someone is over there box jumping the height of Mount Everest. But I still do. I still carry on whinging. It's like I can't get through to myself. And I just think, how how is that even a thing? But yeah, it's it's like super impressive to watch. And I have an incredible amount of respect for him um, as a as a human being and as a um, an exerciser or athlete or whatever you want to call it. It's just unbelievable his level of resilience is astonishing yeah from chatting to him about it it was especially when he said i think it was either his quad or his calf started to go into 
and they started having a little bit of difficulty with yeah. that and having to get the, the the muscle going out to kind of in between kind of rests and stuff yeah. like that in order to i was just like that's just it's just mental it yeah. puts things in perspective that we we take things for granted sometimes it, i will from chant to him i was i was blown away from his mental strength and it probably has come from potentially from his army background his military background mm-hmm. in being kind of potentially berated by military people to kind of not give up and stuff like that but i think also there has to be something internal there mm-hmm. has to be a switch in his in his in his in his kind of armory that is just like no i'm i've set myself up for i've told x amount of people that i'm doing this i'm doing this for the charity i'm doing this x y and i'm filming this live to yeah. x amount of people i can't i just can't give up like well he i like one of the things that i noticed that he did when you know he, he he did this to raise money for um chestnut tree house which is our local children's hospice and when he began the event the um the guys from the hospice brought round a card that like basically a big kind of a3 card that had been made with the kids at the hospice and like it was mind-blowing to just to even have a look at this card and when he was struggling he when he start the minute he started to struggle he put the card on a chair put it next to the box so he could see it all the time and that was kind of like you know when you've got that sitting next to you that's going to be a huge motivator to know what you're doing that for when you're doing it for such an important cause and for such a such a, a big thing for something that's going to actually genuinely affect people's lives what you know what a motivator as well that's incredible i he didn't he didn't mention that when i was talking to him but that's yeah, yeah. um for on a less serious note i've been told to ask you this question where did the seven rating system come out of? So, yeah, set, set the scene. Explain. Uh, <laughs> so, I like to rate things out of seven. If something is good or bad, it gets a rating out of seven. Um, and the reason well, for this seven, seven good, seven, seven is good. excellent. Yeah, Perfect. seven is the seven is the best. Um, and the reason this came about, it actually, I didn't come up with it at all. Um, a couple I of friends. Understand. Ooh. I didn't come up with. Gosh, sorry. Siri wants to wants to talk as well. I apologise. Um, I didn't come up with it. Some friends of mine uh, came up with it, and I was introduced to it by them. So, um, Amy Goma, very excellent lady, and also Alex Gibellaro. Um They introduced me to this concept, and basically, what they were saying was that ten is too many numbers. And it's very easy to sit on the fence. You can give an exact 50% score. And so if you rate something as 5 out of 10, it's 50%. It's neither good nor bad. So it just doesn't really work as a, as a rating system. 5 is not enough delineations. They're all too close together. Um, 9 is too close to 10. But you do need an odd number to allow the fact that it's very easily delineated. So you actually, if you look at all of the different things on the on the kind of 7 rating scale... Um, three is bad, four is good. There is no, you can't use decimal points or anything like that. So literally you have to decide if something is good or bad. If it's bad, it's a three or below. If it's good, it's a four or above. So four is good, five is very good, six is excellent, and seven is like outstanding. 
and then you've got three is bad, two is very bad, one is extremely bad, and zero is like the worst. So it's it's a pretty good, like it covers all bases. When you truly think about it, it just makes really good sense. It makes sense in a really, really weird way. Yeah, I know. And I, 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 I have no, no interest in forcing everybody to adopt the rating system because I, you know, as we've spoken a lot about on this podcast, everyone's different and everyone has different needs. But personally, I have found the seven rating system to be incredibly effective. And is the seven very, very difficult to attain? I mean, it depends probably on how much of an optimist you are and, and how easy to please you are as a person because you're like you're the one that's rating it. So I'm I get quite enthusiastic about things, so I often rate rate things as a seven if I really like them. So I know someone that's going to listen to this podcast that you has messaged you about a certain fruit in Aldeiro. <laughs> the yeah. sun gold kiwi, no less, Mister yeah. Dramatic Carl. So Dramatic Carl, who I have worked with for the last few years uh messaged mike and gave and mike very kindly gave him a shout out so about the sun sunkissed kiwi would be that where would that be on the scale it's a seven to be honest i mean really? it's, it is exceptional i never i never really imagined it's very confusing because i w- i mean one thing that i would challenge is that i i believe it was him that told me that it was hairless it's not bald entirely like it is if you not like me no um, it is, it, there is, it does have some stubble, I guess. So actually, yeah, um, it is, it's not entirely hairless, but it is still like, it's a different color on the inside and it is just very sweet and juicy and amazing. Would you eat the kiwi with the skin on and the skin off? Both. Which would you prefer? I would prefer, I like eating the skin because I feel like it makes me feel healthy. <laughs> like I feel like there's goodness. I feel like there's fiber and stuff in the skin that is useful. Um, but I feel like the skin somewhat detracts from how excellent the fruit is. So if I am like, I will happily eat it with the skin on, but I will usually try and like bite all of the skin off and then eat the middle on its own. That's interesting. I've never tried it with the skin on. I've You've never told- tried it with the skin off? on oh okay yeah it's not as good i mean and everyone who goes you know with the skin off and like yeah so that it's not as good but you can eat it obviously you can eat the skin but i think it's i think the skin does slightly because it's a bit bitter sometimes and it does sully both the texture and the taste but for convenience it's it's very easy to eat it with the skin on I, I'm, I'm i'm no doubt carl will listen to this and carl there's your late christmas present uh, for when the episode comes out. I'm really sorry for your terrible Christmas present, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you deserve better, but... No, out of, uh, no, he deserves about the same. So, <laughs> uh, so what's coming up next for Mike? Um, is there any challenges you've got coming up? Or are you going to... I know you've kind of got working up until kind of Christmas Eve and stuff like that, but is there anything kind of coming up in the new year that you're going to be doing another podcast and stuff is flying and you've had some amazing guests. So yes. I definitely head over and listen to the fitness unfiltered podcast. They are, it's very interesting to hear from three sides. Yeah. Yeah. They're not always the same and no. we don't always agree, which is amazing. And I'm so lucky to have 
such an excellent podcast team. Like we, you know, I, I absolutely love doing the podcast and I enjoy it so much. Um, probably too much because I just care more about doing it than I do about necessarily people hearing it, which is, um, you know, which is great for me because I get to do it and it's awesome. But, um, yeah, I mean, we've got some incredible guests lined up. The thing that we're not so great at is organising ourselves. So we've got loads of people who have agreed to be on the podcast and who will be on the podcast, but we just haven't kind of figured out schedules and stuff. But it should be should be a good upcoming several episodes, hopefully. Um, so that's really exciting. Um, do you know what? I'm, I'm one of those people that I struggle to plan beyond Christmas. So I'm sure I have some exciting things happening in the new year. Or actually, let's do that thing that people say on social media. Yeah, I've got some really exciting projects coming up. But unfortunately, guys, I can't share anything about them now. That's not true. I haven't. I mean, I, yeah, there's there's some bits and pieces kind of brewing, but nothing that is exciting enough to tell anyone about yet, for sure. No, I, I really appreciate your uh, your time. Take yourself close to uh, Christmas for coming oh, on. I appreciate yours. Thank you very much for having me. It's a it's a genuine privilege to be asked. So thank you so much. Um, and I've I've definitely learned a lot from to take kind of take both sides, uh, where to kind of if someone's starting out their journey in the new year, um, and also um a few other things as well i like the the, the statement about the donut i think is a, is a beautiful sentiment i think people should potentially listen back to that and even head over to to mike's um dr mike the second on instagram and kind of read it themselves and see how he's worded it um so mike thank you so much for for coming on today thank you um and yeah thank you so much thank you thank you so much that was awesome